Delco. What is Delco? Urban Dictionary, maybe the best definition of any place in the history of any place. Delco is the nickname for Delaware County, not just a place to live, it's a way of life. Delco isn't something you obtain with a short visit while you're passing through. Never has been, or don't actually live here, you just won't understand. Delco is something you can spot across the bar while out of town. Speaking of bars, there's 42 to 1 ratio when it comes to bars to libraries. And it's cool to be a 26-year-old bar back. You're just waiting for your big break. Delco people love being from Delco. I don't know if there's anything special from Delco, except being a Delco guy, I kind of like it. Hello everybody and welcome in here for episode 12 of Delco baseball now my name is brendan ricciardi we just got done with the delco league semifinals, so we got a lot to talk about on this show we got the upper derby blue Sox looking to defend their 2021 delco league title they'll be taking on the wayne baseball team who's looking for their league leading 18th championship after they won in 19 and 20 they did not make the finals in 21 but they are back so we will break down kind of how we got to this point, you know, what we've seen through the postseason so far. And before we do that, I want to give a couple shout outs to some outside of the Delco League uh, baseball action going on here. We'll start off the Aston Middletown Little League team. We had the 11 year olds capture the regional championship, which is an unbelievable accomplishment. And it's it's something where to put into perspective, if they were to do next year, exactly what they did this year they'll be in Williamsport playing in the Little League World Series because they ran through the district section states and then regional and now this Aston Middletown team also won the state championship last year so that's definitely a team that you want to watch out for it's been a long time since we've had a Delaware County team even win the state championship and and qualify for regionals that was back when Ben Davis the very same Ben Davis you hear on the television while watching the fight in Phil's. That was right. Ben Davis and the Aston Middletown team back in the 80s. So it has been a long time, and it looks like Aston Middletown could potentially be the team to break that. And definitely next year, I want to get a little bit more into kind of expanding Delco Summer Baseball, whether it's Little League, whether it's Legion, Edco. I kind of just wanted to gather an audience and and do you know what I could do while working and trying to get back on the field with Wayne. Obviously, it didn't really work out this summer with the ankle, but... Hopefully next summer I can kind of try and expand, get a broader audience, and just do whatever I can to bring Delaware County baseball content to people, whether it's articles, whether it's podcasts, interviews, pictures that I've started to get into lately, whatever it may be. So shout out to Aston Middletown. And we also have the Springfield Blue Sox, not to get confused with the Upper Derby Blue Sox. They're playing in their World Series, and they I believe they won their first game and they lost their second game. But again, it's it's another Delaware County team that's that's putting themselves on the map, and I have to to give my props there. And and that's something where in the future I'd like to be able to maybe not necessarily travel to like around the country if you know I don't have necessarily the funds to do that. But just to keep up with these teams a little more, you know, tell their stories a little bit better, and hopefully someday I can have some more people working with me, working for me, whatever, to be able to kind of branch out and get as many different stories as possible. So 
something to keep an eye out for in the future. All right, with that being said, we will roll right into the Delco League semifinals recap. But real quickly, we'll just let you know how we got there. We had Marple Newtown took down Chester in the wild card game. Marble Newtown then went to Springfield. They took them to three games, but Springfield ultimately prevailed. Our other series, Narbroth took both games of the first-round series against Aston Valley, so that sent them to a semifinal matchup with Wayne. To start off with Upper Darby and Springfield, game one took place at Cardinal O'Hara, and the Upper Darby Blue Sox, they got off to a pretty pretty slow start. Uh, a little bit of their rust was kind of making it, it, you know, making itself clear there. Uh, they... Walked six of the first seven batters they faced in game one. Springfield jumped out to a 5-0 lead in the top of the first. But Andrew Yates didn't seem to care about that. He had a three-run homer in the bottom of the third. Made it a 5-4 game. And nothing really was going on until the bottom of the seventh when Yates did it again. Two outs down to their final out. Andrew Yates delivered a RBI single to tie the ball game up. And then Steve Tyson walked it off in the bottom of the eighth. And it... it really reminded me of what we saw in game one last year of the Upper Darby and Springfield semifinals where it was 6-2 to two Springfield going into the bottom of the seventh and I was on this Upper Darby team we scored five runs in the bottom of the seventh inning to, to come back and win and after that Springfield kind of just mailed it in I hate to say it but it was two non-competitive games after that so I really wondered what we were going to see from Springfield whether that was something they learned from or whether it was just going to be the same Result and it wasn't. They they came back and they won game two by a score of seven to two. They had a great pitching performance from Penn's David Schumacher. Six innings, only two runs, five Ks. He's a guy that plays for Penn along with a couple other guys on the Springfield Colonials team, and that was a, a starting pitching performance that they desperately needed to be able to have him go the way that he did. And that you know that brought some life back into it. They they always say the series doesn't start till a road team wins. They were able to split it, bringing it back to Church Road. Then they ran into Johnny Gonzalez, because in Game 3, the 49-year-old reigning finals MVP threw a complete game, no earned runs, only one walk, three strikeouts. He threw 77 pitches, according to the Upper Darby Game Changer, for a seven-inning performance. Just unbelievable stuff from Johnny. And as someone who's faced him, I would say, not that many times because I was on his team last year, and, and... I only joined in full-time in 2020 that, you know, you never know which way the ball is moving against him. He hides the ball really well. He throws so many different off-speed pitches. Not many pitchers in this league throw, like, sinkers like he does. And, you know, he's just old school. And he, when he gets into a groove and his defense is playing well behind him, he's pretty tough to beat. We saw him this year for Wayne, I think, only once. And it was the game that between him and Anthony Ely took like an hour and 15 minutes max. Um, but, you know, it's it's really impressive to see that he's still doing it because after we won last year, he said he was going to retire. I actually I actually believed him, but, but silly me. And the Blue Sox won that one by a final score of 8-1. to one. They got four doubles in the game. Yates, Strickland, Supa, and Gasparro all had a couple knocks right there. Josh Hankins from Coppin State, he had two RBIs. Him and Max Anastasio both had three hits on the day. So at that point, Upper Darby's got the momentum back. They win that game on the road. Now all they have to do is close it out in game four. But Springfield had no interest in making that happen. They were able to force the game five by taking down Upper Darby eight to five. I actually got to catch the end of that game because we finished our Wayne game three, which I'll 
you know, get into in the next series, and I was able to hightail it over there. That was a back-and-forth game because Springfield jumped ahead 4 nothing, and Upper Darby stormed right back. They scored one in the top of the third and three in the top of the fifth, so that's now a 4-4 to ball game. And right when they wanted to get that shutdown inning, Springfield got four runs in the bottom of the fifth, so that made it an 8-4 to game. That was a game that I wouldn't say it got, like, chippy, but you could tell that the tensions on both sides were running high. You know, Springfield is feeling the pressure. They haven't won a title since 1999. Meanwhile, you're at Upper Darby. You're feeling the pressure. You want to repeat. You want to show that last year wasn't just a flash in the pan. And this is a core that has the makings of a potential dynasty. And and in this game, it was Springfield. It was Andrew Cantwell from Westchester. He pitched a great game. Went the distance. Over 120 pitches in the game. Went all seven. He had four earned runs in the game. A couple Ks. But, you know, when, when Cantwell is doing his best, you know, his his velocity is fine. It's it's just more about the fact that he, he knows when to mix it up well. And when he's hitting his spots, there's really not much you can do about it. So that was an 8-5 to five final in favor of the Colonials, which forced a winner-take-all Game 5 on Saturday. And I was wondering what route they were going to go in terms of starting pitching this game. Because, you know, you had Tommy Kent, who might be in terms of just pure like skill you know he's probably your hardest thrower he might have the best stuff but he was not accurate in that game one against Springfield with the walks so the question is do you risk putting him out there again in case he doesn't have it again or do you put out Johnny Gonzalez who had pitched on Wednesday just a few days earlier well they went with all reliable and Johnny did not disappoint once again a complete game effort two earned runs you know, three strikeouts, still kept it under 100 pitches, even while allowing 10 hits in the game. I, I really don't know what Johnny's secret is at this point. It might be the coronitas and the cigarettes, but whatever it is, he just keeps on rolling. Whenever Dave Jordan, the head coach of Upper Darby, needs him, he is ready to go. And that's really, really admirable for someone of his age. And I'm, I'm curious. I want to go back. I feel like this is something Dave Berman, uh, Marty Berman's brother, would know is how many 50 year olds have been like a full-time player in the Delco league that's something i would definitely want to try and figure out but upper darby took this one by a final score of 10 to 3 in game five they had three hits from andrew yates two doubles from max anastasio they had hits pretty much all around the board they had 14 hits on the day and it was a good day for the blue Sox offensively and defensively now they they had four runs in the bottom of the third. That's what made it from a 2-2 game to a 6-2 game. And at that point, Springfield only would get one run for the rest of the game. So the Blue Sox punched their ticket to the championship series for the second straight year. They take the quote-unquote best two out of three of the last three playoff series between Springfield and Upper Darby. Third straight year, Springfield won in 20, Upper Darby won in 21. So this is kind of for all the marbles. And it's fitting that it came down to a game five. Obviously, you wish that it was a little bit closer, but regardless, the Upper Darby Blue Sox headed back to the championship series. They look for their second title in franchise history, of course, second in a row as well. All right, flipped into the other side of the bracket here. It was the Narberth Mudcats after taking down the Aston Valley Knights, heading into Wayne to try and take down the Wayne baseball team. We'll start off with game one here was at Devon Prep. That was on Monday night. We had a recent pit transfer to Westchester University, David Ferguson on the mound for Wayne Baseball. We had Rhode Island commit and Monsignor Bonner graduate Michael Anderson on the mound for the Narberth Mudcats. Narberth got 
on the board early in the top of the first, but Wayne would put up three in the bottom of the first, two in the bottom of the second, and that started just a stretch of four straight run-scoring innings where six runs came across in the bottom of the fourth inning. Just like that, it was already a 12-1 to game. Now, that game, it started to kind of take a little bit of a time where it had a funny scene at the end where we're trying to get the game into darkness so we don't have to finish it later. So we got guys going up, like batting opposite-handed. We got guys that are swinging at anything just to get out because the, the result of the game was already decided at that point. But we, we just had to get the outs. But great offensive performance. Jay Sarnas dri- drives in three runs. He had two hits. Nate Sides, two hits. Uh, we had only one extra base hit, surprisingly, which was Sides. Sean Mahalan had two hits. Start of a great series for him. Matty B. Matt Briner drove in two runs. Jake Ciani, you know, really contributions all across the board. And I, I kind of wondered, similar in a way that you have Springfield, you know, blowing a lead in game one. How does a team respond to getting blown out in game one? It, it was something where I wondered, would Narberth be intimidated and start to play scared? And would that kind of just be the series or would they fight back? And they fought back because they went up 8 nothing in game two. It was the next day at Devon Prep. They put up four in the top of the second. It was a combination of bad defense, but also good hitting. You got to give them credit. They were able to take advantage of errors. They were able to take advantage. They had a bases loaded uh, situation where it was still one nothing, and and there were two outs, and they drove in four from that. Tyler Kehoe drove in three in that game. Dylan Can drove in two. It was eight nothing until the bottom of the seventh, where things got a little bit more interesting than I would imagine. Uh, D Bar and the Narberth Mudcats bench would like so. By the end of this game, it, it started to feel like it wasn't a playoff game. You got guys playing, you know, different positions. You're you got pitchers that you wouldn't usually throw, and you know we put up we we had five runs in the bottom of the seventh, and it got started with a Nate side solo home run that was his first of the year. It really started to get interesting when Mikey Valente, he just graduated from Strathaven, he'll be headed to Cal U. He had a three-run homer. It was only his second at-bat of the entire season. And at the very least, it made Narberth get their bullpen going to get Joe Raver to come in. But the tying run came to the plate in this game. Luke Mutz doubled and Chase Darnus walked, and all of a sudden, Nate Sides, who already had homered in the inning, is back up looking to do some damage. And Raver was able to get him out on strikes. But it was enough that we were able to get a little bit of momentum back and it, you know, I think if we had just lost eight nothing, like it would have been a little bit more difficult to come back. But you know, getting those five runs and and making it a game kind of just you know got us back on track, in my opinion, which led us to game three. That was Wednesday night. We played for the first time at the Narberth Playground. Uh, we had played at Bonner the first two times that Wayne and Narberth had squared up. So that game was a very fascinating one because it started a bit slow. We got. Uh, top of the second, we knocked in a run, and then Narber scored two on an error in the bottom of the fourth. But this is where it started to get interesting because this was a game that, although there weren't that many runs early on, it was just taking a while. A lot of long innings, and when the top of the fifth came around, Wayne put up five runs in the top of the fifth to make it a 6-2 to two game. But it just started to get dark and dark, and in that park where not as much light is able to get in, it was, it was getting hard to see. So in that inning, we had a bases-loaded uh, single from Jake Ciani. We had a walk from Reese Malik. Luke Mutz stayed red hot with another base hit. Fielder's choice from Jay Starnish. So we get out in 
the bottom of the fifth, we get the Narberth um, lineup to go down. And once the top of the sixth comes, we get the first two guys on base. And it's just too dark at this point to even keep going. The umps call the game. We head out and we originally planned to finish game three, then start game four on Friday. But the, the, the problem was our Wayne offense put up eight runs in the top of the sixth when we resumed the game, which just in turn made it take entirely too long. So at that point, we were pretty much only able to play the end of game three, which ended up being a 14-4 to Wayne final. Talk a little bit about this game, more specifically Cam Mathis from Villanova and Marple Newtown was awesome. Five innings pitched, one earned run, only three hits allowed for the righty. And he matched up with another former Marple Newtown alum, that's Jimmy Wigo, who will be heading to Monmouth this year. And it's not that you know Jimmy was bad by any means. It was just that after he came out of the game, the Narberth bullpen has just been taking a beating because they have good starting pitchers. But if they're not getting like super, super deep into games, they're a little bit short on that end. And they threw six pitchers in this game just to try and kind of stop the bleeding and you know, give him a chance in game four. So Wayne took that one by a final score of 14-4, to which put Narberth one loss away from having their season come to an end. So fast forward here. It's Saturday afternoon at Narberth Playground. While game five of Springfield and Upper Darby is going on, we had this game getting started. We had Joe Paluzzo, usually a relief pitcher for Wayne. I, I don't believe he had made a start this year. I could be mistaken, but I don't believe he started a game this year. He got the start on the mound. He was taking on Chris Hyatt, who started game two in the Narberth win. Peluso was very good in this game. He went five innings. He allowed uh, only three earned runs. He had three strikeouts. So we'll get started here in the top of the fourth inning because the first three innings, Chris Hyatt and Joe Peluso didn't really have much going on. There's three shutout innings from both of them. Start off in the top of the fourth inning. It was Sean Mahalan, this first home run of the year, into the trees over the netting in left field. That put Wayne ahead by a score of one nothing. It was a solo shot, and we head to the bottom of the fourth inning. Narberth got those two runs back pretty quickly. It was a sack fly from a Lehigh commit from Alvin Prep, Ryan Cochran. And then I'm not even sure how to explain this one. I, I think it was just a bit of a miscommunication where Joe Peluso looked to try and backpick um, a runner on second base. And I, I think either Nate Sides didn't know it was coming or Peluso kind of flinched. Well, he threw the ball into left field, and he'll be the first one to laugh about this. So I, I'm... I'm all good getting this out there, but it was an interesting play. It, it put Narberth ahead two to one, and you know that's that's one of those things where if we had lost that game, you kind of look back and be like, "What the hell was that?" But you know, we when you have an eight-run top of the fifth inning, that kind of erases you know any any problems you might have had. And the funniest part of the eight runs is they were all with two outs. Sean Mahone had his second RBI knock of the game after the homer. He had a two-run base hit, put us ahead three to two. Matt Briner single to make it 4-2. Jake Siani had the big moment, which kind of really broke it open with a two-run double to the left center field gap. Then you had Reese Malik drop a bunt down. Once again, with two outs, kind of catch them off guard. And then Luke Mutz cleared the bases with a triple, which kind of just put the icing on the cake. It opened up a 9-2 lead that we would not give up. Turned out to be an 11-5 final. That sends the Wayne baseball team back to the Delco League Finals. They were not in it in 2021. That was Upper Darby and Aston. But they won it in 2020 and 2019. So they're looking to, in my opinion, I believe that kind of goes with the term dynasty. I think three out of four would kind of you know make that. Obviously, there is a bit of a difference in the core. But there's a lot of the same guys that were there. Sides, Briner, Luke Mutz. 
Sean Mahalan, you know, guys, Joe Peluso that have played on this team for a couple years now. I'm sure I'm missing some people that uh, I'll get some shit from later. But, you know, it's a really strong core. And, and then you bring in new guys, like Sean said in the interview last week, with speed. Jace Darnish can fly. Jake Siani can fly. Reese Malik can, you know, he, he can run, but it's more that the bunts are so perfect that he doesn't even necessarily have to. But this is just a lot quicker of a team. And then you get Luke Mutz back, who didn't play last season because he was up playing in New York. So it's it's definitely a different team. But you can tell with Feely, you know, it's it's the similar core that has been around for a while. And they kind of set the tone. It's very business, business-like there. But I guess that's a good transition into talking about just the Delco League Finals as a whole. These are two teams that have had a history playing each other. And a lot of the time, it's gone in Wayne's favor in the past. It was kind of the monkey off the back for Upper Derby to win their first Delco League championship last year. But that doesn't really make up for the years in the past that Upper Derby's lost to Wayne in the playoffs. I know that Dave Jordan has experienced it all. He's been through it all. And, you know, there's been a lot of times where he's had Wayne right where he wanted them. And it just didn't end up going his way. So I know that... Dave, of course, is satisfied finally getting his first championship, but I know that he wants to beat Wayne, and I don't really think that's a secret for anybody. You know, I, I wouldn't say there's necessarily bad blood between these two teams right now, but I think it's fair to say that the standings aside, these have been the best two teams in the league all year, and I, I don't really think there's any way that you can debate that. I think both teams have built up really good pitching staffs, really deep pitching staffs, because in the regular season, you're able to kind of you know, mix and match and pass by. But once you get in that five-game series that takes place across a week, you got to have arms on arms on arms. And you take a look at what Upper Darby's been able to put together just from a starting pitching standpoint. Tommy Kent, Johnny Gonzalez, Michael Costello, Aiden O'Brien. You know, Henry Dawes is unfortunately banged up, but he's a guy that I will always show love to when I get the chance. Frank Parati. These guys have a lot of pitching that if they are able to hit and play defense, they're going to be in every single game. And you go over on the Wayne side, if I'm not mistaken, throughout the regular season, we had only four guys start games. And that's been what the rotation has been the whole year long. Cam Mathis, Ant Ely, Dave Ferguson, Aiden Weitzel, every single time. It was always those guys giving us these quality pitching performances that allow the offense to kind of get to work in games where it's a bit slow. And the one thing that I've noticed throughout this whole season being at almost every Wayne game is the big inning. The big inning is always what has worked for this team. Even in, I missed the first three games of the year because I was still down in our World Series for Penn State. There was a game where I think they were down 11 runs and they scored 11 before recording an out in a single inning. And that just shows like the firepower this team has. Hitting is really contagious in that Wayne dugout, and it's something where it can be, you know, really dreadful. Some of the some of the innings where just nothing's going on. But there's a lot of really smart hitters on this team. Just you know, listening to them talking, Luke Mutz, Stephen Wells, Nate Sides, like all of these guys are just such professionals in the box. Like I learn things just from sitting here. You know, obviously. Not playing is one of the, pardon my language, the shittiest feelings in the world. Not being able to go out there and help your team. And especially 
in a weird situation like mine where I've never even played a game for this team yet because I wasn't on this team until before this year. The only person on this, I think this roster I've ever played a game with is Luke Mutz because we grew up together. But other than that, it's just, you know, it's a, it's a weird, it's a weird dynamic that um, I'm just trying to pick up what I can just to be ready for next year. You know, these guys have a lot to offer. And one thing that Luke will always say, and he'll hate me for saying this too, is be a student of the game. You know, I'm sitting here picking these things up from Wells, a guy who used to play, you know, professional baseball and, and Luke Mutz, a guy who's playing division one baseball in the fall and just stuff that like, I've just never, you know, known for myself. I, I didn't play at you know, high enough levels to, to try and, you know, get that type of knowledge for myself. So just being around them is great. And, you know, that's not at all a slight at Upper Darby. Being in that dugout last year, of course, a bunch of very, very smart baseball players too. And and you look at the team for Upper Darby that won last year, that entire infield, Division three, Division three, Division three, Division three, pitching staff, a lot of Division three, outfielders, young guys, some go in Division one, but still, you know, not some of the caliber of schools like that some of the other teams around the league have. So how do you make up for what you might lack in a little bit of talent? It's being smart and it's being fundamentally sound. So that's something that I think Upper Darby once again should lean on because in that game five last year, when we took down Aston Valley, I think we might've turned three or four double plays in that Blue Sox infield. Luckily I was a DH, so I'd have to do anything, but you know, it was just so impressive to watch. And I'm really, really, you know, excited just almost as a fan of the league at this point. Like, don't get me wrong. There's nothing I want more than to hold that trophy up again at the end of the season. And, you know, there's no, no, no part of me that like wants, you know, upper Derby to win just because that's not how I'm wired. If I'm on Wayne and if I'm here, like, it doesn't really matter what happened in the past. I'm, you know, we're here to, to try and win, but just from a fan of the league as a whole, like, I feel like the matchups that these teams have played this year have never had everybody there. So I really genuinely don't have a good feel on what's going to happen here. Do I have confidence in my guys? Of course. Do I, you know, do I think we're going to win? Obviously, but I would, I would be saying that, you know, no matter what the scenario is, but there's a lot of different matchups to go down. So we'll kind of break this down here, you know, a little bit position group by position group. So we started with the pitching stats already. We've talked about that a little bit. I want to go We'll start, uh, we'll start off with the infield. So when you go around the Wayne infield, the first base, second base shortstop have been pretty much the same for almost every game. Stephen Wells, Luke Mutz, and Nate Sides. Now, Wells has been kind of pitched around so far, and understandably so from the type of player that he is. But one thing that you'll notice about him is he's very patient. He knows what he wants. He knows where he wants it. He knows what county wants it. And he doesn't really get fooled. I would say very often, you know, compared to the normal player, just because he's so selective. Like if he gets in a hitter's count, but it's not a pitch that he wants, he's not going after it. And then you go over to Luke Mutz, who, listen, I don't have a vote. If I had a vote, he would be my MVP vote. Just an unbelievable season that he's put together. And being at the top of the order, he has a gorgeous swing. He's fast. He's smart, plays great defense. And, you know, is an X factor anytime he steps on the field for a variety of reasons. And him and Nate Sides up the middle been a fantastic double play tandem. Third base, you got Reese Malik, who I think that in the Wayne dugout we've described as a pest, I think is the best way to do it. He'll drop down that two out bunt just to mess with you. You know, he's a scrappy player. He's got a great arm over at third base to wrap up this infield. Switching back to upper Darby here. 
I always talk about how much I love Joey Supa, and as my good friend Drew Robinson once proclaimed, he is the heart and soul of this franchise, and having Joey Supa around just makes my day better. Mustache is a little corny right now. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll, I have to preface saying that, but you know he's he's always going to be a guy that loves the moment. He had two walk-offs in the postseason last year. He wants to be up when the game is on the line, and that's not saying that nobody else you know doesn't want to, but it's some people are just more evident than the others. Now you get to that middle infield where you have a guy like Matt Query who plays at Scranton, who was the starting shortstop on a championship team last year able to switch over to second base because now you have a guy like Josh Hankins, a Division One shortstop at Coppin State, able to come in and you know provide an even better defensive upgrade. And, and that's not at all a shot at Matt Queer by any means. Fantastic shortstop. But you have a luxury of riches having two shortstops in that middle infield. Steve Tyson's been having some arm injuries, but you know there's a chance that he could have ended up at the DH anyway just because of how how much talent there is in this infield. And then Max Anastasio at third base, very good defensive infield. They're only getting better from last year. As I talked about, I'll tell anybody that I think the number one reason us at Upper Darby won the championship last year, infield defense. Those guys were nasty, and they only got better. So having those guys all back, and not even to mention how they've been hitting, all incredible, is really big for that team, especially when you have guys like Johnny who are getting you ground ball after ground ball after ground ball. So... It's big there. Hankins obviously brings the bat. He's a middle-of-the-order guy. Max Anastasio had a huge series, bunch of extra base hits, bunch of runs driven in. Really good stuff. We'll get back to the outfield here. We'll switch back to Wayne here. We've talked a lot about speed in the Wayne outfield. Jay Starnish, I mean, just watching that kid run, you can tell that he's a soccer player at heart. He is a soccer player who just happens to be better at baseball and is going to St. Bonnie's in the fall. Him and Jake Siani, who plays at Johns Hopkins, they cover so much ground out there in the outfield that it's really impressive. And uh, I, I will not take my uh, uh, unnecessary ricochet shot at Matt Briner, but he'll call himself slow before anybody else does. But having those guys out there really, really makes up for you know any ball that goes in the gap. I just I feel like those guys are going to track it down. They both have great arms as well. So outfield defense is definitely something that is is. Something that really doesn't like show up on a box score, you know, because it's not like they're going to get an error if they don't get to some of the balls that they get to. But I've been really impressed with that. And those guys have been really swinging the bat well. Jake Siani had some huge, huge clutch hits in the series, both in game three and game four. So really good stuff there. Switching back to Upper Darby, the health of Sammy Berman is uh, a major talking point here. From my understanding, he's going to be available more in a pinch hit role, which is a shame because you can tell how much the kid loves playing baseball, having some hamstring issues that are preventing him from being in the lineup full time. But the Blue Sox, they have done a good job at at getting that outfield depth to withstand it because you have Andrew Yates, who I could talk about for hours, just like Luke Mutz. I love my Strathaven guys. You know that. But Andrew Yates, all he does is hit. He had three hits in game five. He's patrolling left field. Adam Fine has been a massive pickup for the Blue Sox. He's hitting a cool 500 so far this season, 20 for 40, 1208 OPS. He's been a huge pickup. He went to Harriton, playing at St. Joe's right now, and you know he's really, really helped them 
make up for some of the injuries like Sammy. And you go back to right field, Vince Gasparro, I'm, I'm a little upset that he chopped the lettuce off because last year his hair was majestic, but it's short now. It does look good. I got to give him that, but I, I do miss the long hair. He homered in, uh, don't quote me on this, I believe it was the game two loss uh, at Upper Derby, but... You know, the veteran experience. He went four for four in the finals game last year to help us stay alive. You know, he, he's been on this team for a long time. And it, it does sound cliche, but having guys that have been in the big moments in the, in this league specifically before is really important. Uh, let's see, we got infield covered. We got outfield covered. Go behind the plate because I want to give a quick shout out to my guy, Christian Strickland of the Blue Sox, who just plays every single game. Like, it's almost unfathomable how many innings he catches behind the plate when you know a lot of other teams have multiple catchers coming in and out. He wants every game. He gets every game. Only really comes out in blowout situations or you know the, the rare day off where Max Anastasio will catch. But Christian, is, he's a great hitter. He has a great arm. Like he, he does everything right behind the plate. It's just like the fact that he's so dedicated to catch every game is really, really impressive to me. And this series... For Wayne, you know, usually throughout the regular season, we had a combination of Tommy Bradley, Billy Ford, and the occasional Matty Kane sighting. But it's been mostly Tommy so far, and he, and he's working really hard back there. And it's it's really funny when both of your catchers, Tommy and Billy, are also both pitchers. So Tommy will pitch like six, or excuse me, uh, Billy will pitch while Tommy's catching, and then they'll flip flop where Billy will go behind the plate and Tommy will pitch to him. Interesting dynamic there. Tommy has thrown a couple runners out this series. He's, he's got a really good arm behind the plate. He's got the pitcher's arm there. So uh, definitely something to look out for is if you're a base runner, beware. We also have some designated hitters that we should show some love to here. I mentioned a little bit about Sean Mahalan. He homered in game four. First homer of the year, but he has been racking up the doubles this season. If I'm not mistaken, I think he has more doubles than he has singles, which is hysterical. That OPS off the charts. You know, he's got uh, a new daughter watching the games for him, so it's always nice to have some more fans in the stands for you there. We also have for Upper Darby, Steve Tyson. As I mentioned, he's been having some arm problems, so he slides over from the infield to designated hitter. And those are two impact bats there as well. So really not too much else to talk about uh, designated hitter-wise just because, you know, they're not playing the field. But, you know, Sean has been a, a huge, huge force in this line because I feel like when people are thinking about that top of the Wayne lineup, Mutz, Tharnish, Sides, and Wells. Like, people aren't putting Sean in that conversation, but he's had an incredible year and, you know, great interview with him last week. If, if you guys didn't catch that, go check that out, previewing the semifinal series. But definitely two bats to look out for. Doubles machines in those DH spots. I guess the last real thing I have to talk about is the head coaches here. You got Brian Feely. He's a four-time Delco League champ, 14, 15, 19, and 20, I believe. And, you know, he's got a, a lot of accolades in Strathaven as well. I played with him for only one year at Strathaven because uh, I wasn't very good at baseball <laughs> until I was a senior, to put, to put it completely blunt. Uh, but, you know, what I, I feel like I've learned almost more about him this year than I have playing in high school is he, he really keeps his cool un, under pressure and really does a good job at, you know, when guys are struggling, whether it's mentally or physically in baseball, he does a really good job at de-escalating you know, their situation by just talking, just having a conversation with them and helping them work through their problems. Like, you know, it's 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 not that he doesn't do that for Strathaven. It's just like, I don't know, I feel like Delco League is just kind of a different atmosphere with the pressure and, 
and everything like that, that it's a little more, a little more laid back like that. But he, he's been here plenty of times. So this moment is not going to face him whatsoever. And then you look at a guy like Dave Jordan, who he got over the hump. He finally got over the hump first Delco league championship last year. So will he manage the series differently? You know, knowing that what he did last year brought him a championship, do you switch it up? Do you keep the same thing? You know, you're facing a different team with different strengths and weaknesses. But, you know, are him and Marty Berman planning, you know, to kind of just stick to what got him there? Or are they going to try and change it up? That's that's kind of what I'm curious about. So the coaching matchup is definitely something in a five-game series. Coaching, you know, I always hear people say, oh, like, how much does a baseball coach, like, really do, like, all this stuff? And during the regular season, you might have a point. I think during the regular season that, you know, the coaching, it's not that it's not as important, but it's not as valued. Once you get to that five-game series, there's a lot of moving parts, and you have to deal with injuries, both pitchers and hitters. You have to deal with, you know, people going away, all that kind of stuff. So the coaching matchup, you know, two of my favorite coaches I've ever played for that are going to be squaring off here, so... Uh, it's definitely definitely going to be a series to look forward to. And as I mentioned, when my team is involved, I'm not going to be making predictions or or hot takes or anything here. I don't know if this is a prediction or hot take. I think it's going five. That's that's all I will say. Whatever happens, happens. It sucks so bad to not be able to control anything. I'm just trying to do what I can, you know, to help the the franchise. Whether it's writing the game recaps, you know, the Twitter live stream that got somehow cut off in the second inning i never found out about it until uh until after the game was over once again sorry about that one shawnee but you'll hit another bomb here uh you know just trying to to help bring awareness to this team and and do what i can but i I really think it's going to be a good series and i think it's going to be hard fought competitive i genuinely think five games is a real possibility just because of how evenly matched i've seen these teams throughout the year so it's it's gonna be good it's gonna be good and I'm, and I'm really looking forward to it getting started monday night 545 at devon prep all right that is all i got here uh, i didn't have any interviews planned i didn't really have much time to get them done i wanted to also kind of just share my thoughts you know i know a lot of this podcast is going to be me interviewing people because people want to hear all the great Delaware County baseball town, whether that's high school, college, Delco League, whatever it may be. But, you know, there are going to be times where I got stuff I want to say and, and kind of get it off my chest, too. So I appreciate everybody taking the time to listen and wish both teams the best of luck. I'm just looking for some good baseball here. And uh, hopefully I'll be holding up that trophy, interviewing uh, someone on my team, just like last year with uh, Johnny Gonzalez and I after after our championship. So I hope everybody can make it out to Devon Prep 545 Monday night for Game 1 of the Delco League Finals. See you next week, everybody.